Um, yeah, so um, I'm Scotty, for any of you who don't know me, uh, run a um, church, uh, used to lead this church actually years ago, with, with three or four years ago with Rose, um, and then we planted or replanted a little church up in Brooklyn. Oh, good to see you, Chris. I haven't seen you in a long time. Nice to have you here. And um, yeah, we, um, yeah, having a great time there. I mean, on to Pohiri Sunday, it was really cool. This morning we were sharing about this and we're, um, we've randomly ended up with, um, there's about 40 people in our church, but we've started having um, this group of five or six Tongan people come, which has been really lovely, and um, bring prayers and Tongan this morning and things, which felt like a really kind of a beautiful, um, a beautiful moment for that. Um, yeah, and um, so I want to share a little bit, uh, we're in this Experience in God journey. Um, who kind of like, who has done at least one of the Experience in God things? One? Yeah, not bad. Okay, cool. Um, any, any kind of highlights from that? Did anyone do anything wacky which they wouldn't have normally done um, otherwise? Yes, Gil, what was the wacky thing you did? Oh, I didn't realise I was up to But asking God about the neighbourhoods. Yeah. I ended up having conversations with random people on the street, which I used to find so embarrassing when my mother did it. But now I <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Anyone else? Yeah, Bridget. I went outside and shouted a song. Yeah. Oh, so that's awesome. good. Like all day long. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, anyone? Anyone else? No. All right. Well, I would encourage you um, get along um, to do any of those. Like the point of it is not that you do all twenty-eight things. It's that you pick some things up and maybe they push you into a place where you wouldn't normally go with God. Um, often the call of Jesus is towards foolishness. Often that voice in our head that says, I am not going to be stupid enough to do that, or I am not silly enough to do that, is often the exact place we need to go <laughs> to encounter God, the place where we lay down some of our own cool, our own popularity, our own reputation, our own sense of what is right or proper. Um, when we step into that heart where um, it feels foolish, but God is at work, eh? Um, and so there's some great opportunities to do that in there. Um, and um, we encourage you to just yeah, have, have a crack at one of them. So we're on this little journey of experiencing God. Um, and some of you will be finding it a bit weird, um, and some of you will be finding it awesome. But where this came from for me, and my passion for us to go on this journey, uh, was around about January, February this year. I just had this memory as I was walking one day of times where I have been uh, in a space of worship or prayer, um, and I've like lay down on the floor or sat in the corner, and the presence of God has just turned up powerfully. And I thought, I just don't want this to end. Like, I just don't ever want to leave this place. Has anyone here experienced that before? Yep. Some people? That's like, man, I'm someone who is so conscious of time. You know? <laughs> like, but when it's like, I haven't looked at what the time is. I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm hungry. I'm just like, and I was like, man, I want to dwell in those places again, eh? I want to dwell in those places with God. Those of you who haven't, I mean, I... Like, I think that is something we can all long for and desire, is to meet God in such a way that we don't want to go anywhere else. You know, we fall in love with people in our lives, and when you're infatuated with someone, you don't want to go anywhere else. And kind of, I want that for many of us, eh, to have an encounter with Jesus in such a way that we're just like, I don't want to be with anyone else right now. I don't want to be anywhere else. I have nothing else to do. This is the place I want to be. And that's where the hunger comes from. And um, to be honest, like, I'm not the least cynical person you'll ever meet. You know, 
Like, I can be cynical at times, but what I felt in the first half of this year is God's Spirit doing like a rehabilitation of my heart um, to say the most cringy thing. I currently have, um, uh, with my finger on the back of my Toyota Prius in dirt, it just says, I love Jesus. <laughs> Which is just one of those silly things, you know, to be like, man, like, the most cringy thing. I remember a few years ago, uh, when we were youth workers, and a young girl came to faith, and she handed me a WWJD bracelet. Which just seemed like the last thing I would ever want to wear. But I felt God saying, no, 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 that is the thing you need to do. That is the exact thing you need to do. Um, and, and so I'm just feeling this longing for God, and really desiring that other people could long for God too. Um, that um, that might be the case for many of us. That um, we might just have a memory of a time where we were particularly close to Jesus that we want to return to, or there um, might have never been a memory or a moment like that. But we're like going, there has to be more. I have to believe there's more than what I've seen so far. And a psalm that really speaks out to me and has for years um, is this verse from Psalm one thirty six, and it says, "My soul waits for the Lord." More than watchmen wait for the morning, indeed, more than watchmen wait for the morning. It's this picture of these soldiers who are up on the side of this castle and they're looking out into the darkness and their job is to be there all night in case they see torches or weapons coming out of that darkness to march upon them. And they stand there with that anxiety and that fear, looking into the darkness, wondering what might come out of it. Probably all of us can relate to times in our lives of staring into the unknown in the darkness, wondering what will come out of the day. And they look out into the darkness, wondering what will come. And then finally the dawn comes and they breathe that sigh of relief that safety is here, that nothing was in the darkness. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Indeed, more than watchmen wait for the morning. And I think this thing of longing um, is, is so crucial to us. I um, started a, a Bible study the other night called Eastern Jesus, where I just invited anyone and some of the... Um, uh, people who are in a faith I've been getting to know to come and, and join and basically do a Bible study on John. And what I'm doing with them is recapturing or, or dismantling the way that our faith has been westernised um, and looking at it in kind of an indigenous or an eastern lens. Um, but the beautiful thing was we ended up with five people there the other night. Um, so we've got um, uh, my friend Lauren there, who's really into New Age stuff. So during the Bible study, she's like twirling crystals in her hands. Um, and then next to her, the most bizarre, I never thought this person would turn up, a reformed pastor came along. Like reformed are like, you know, some of the most like conservative guys around. And I'm like, what are you doing here? So he turns up. But then next to him is another guy who volunteers at Zealandia. And he says, for me, really, God is on the earth. And then we had um, another person there, um, Rachel, who's had a faith her whole life. And then we had, I don't know if any of you from Newtown have met Queen Easter. Has anyone met Queen Easter? Queen Easter, Queen Easter is a hippie um, who um, came to faith recently um, and is just like exploding with excitement for what God has done in her life. But we're sitting there and we're, we're studying half of John 1 together and as we're going through it, these people um, are just expressing how special it is in the society we live in at the moment to be in a room of people who are so thoroughly different all looking for the same thing. Hey. And we were all expressing these common longings and expressing this longing we have to be known, to be held, to feel our, our life counts for something, um, to feel like there could be joy and hope, that there could be light in the midst of the darkness. And, and discovering more and more that there are these common longings that we all have. 
And the Bible chooses a lot of different metaphors to talk about the place of longing, but one of the ones that's often chosen is of this thing of hunger. So um, you will know, many of you from Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What are we to, what are we to make of this? Um, this afternoon I was uh, sitting at People's Coffee in Newtown, and I was, um, there are lots of good things happen at People's Coffee in Newtown, eh? Um, and, um, and I was sitting there, um, and um, there was a guy sitting opposite me with um, his little three-year-old daughter. And he just started by saying, you know, what's, what's that on your shirt? I said, oh, it's just, it's just a brand. I didn't even buy this. And, um, <laughs> um, and we, we started, started chatting. And um, it goes on for a while. And I, I said, oh, do you live in Newtown? He says, no, I live in Lyle Bay. He says, actually, I just bought this incredible house. It looks like right out of the water. It's so big and incredible. I'm like, wow, well done, you, you know. <laughs> but, um, but then he says, he says, but you know, kind of, I've been saving for 20 years for that. And I've realised I actually don't like living in it. I said, wow, I said, that's, like, that's really honest of you. He says, yeah, he said, my life is kind of becoming this thing where I work really hard for the things I thought I wanted and discover I didn't want them in the end. I said, bro, that's like, I'm not making up these words. I'm not, you know, scripting that. This is actually what he's saying to me. I said, bro, that is so vulnerable. Um, I said, thanks for sharing that. And he said, I just have this fear that everything I get, I ultimately won't want in the end. Like, I can relate to that, eh? This deep longing within him. Now, I found out that he's going through this um, separation at the moment. He has a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And feeling like his world is falling down around him and that nothing has lived up to what he wanted. And he's expressing this profound longing. And then he says to me at the end, he said, he asked me what I did. I said, I'm an Anglican priest. Um, and, um, and he said, do you know any support groups? I said, oh, I'll catch up with you. And he's like, yeah, I'd really love that. Um, but this longing, I was thinking, man, I've not had many experiences before where a growing person says to you, I really need a friend right now, and embraces a stranger for that day. There's a real longing in people at the moment. One of the women I do meditation with um, the other day, we come out of one of the, the meditation times, and uh, we were um, sitting and talking afterwards, having a cup of tea. And um, at the end of the time, we'd, we'd be talking about kind of, a lot of that stuff ends up being talking about longings. And she turns to me and she goes, I've just been feeling I really need a spiritual guide at the moment. I'm like, man, people are confessing some weird things at the moment, eh? Like a bizarre openness and vulnerability and a hunger for help that maybe they didn't know they needed before. I got another friend um, who um, I've also met at Peoples actually a while ago. <laughs> um, and he started coming along to this um, Bible study I'm running. He's not of faith. Um, but he has been for years involved in different activism, particularly around climate issues. And he has bleed and bleed and bleed for those causes. He understands all the stuff inside out. He, he, um, he's done Māori studies, he's done development studies, and he spent a few years working for this incredible um, charity, uh, doing this climate justice work. And then he arrived at this point recently where he's like, we've been doing all this work and it's just getting worse. 
And he said, and as it gets worse, I watched our whole team turn on each other and somehow try to blame each other for it getting worse. He says, I've been to the protests, I've done all the things. I thought we'd make the world better and it's not getting any better. This deep longer within him. And we talked about that and then at the end of the conversation, having no faith background, he said to me, do you have a Bible I could have? It's crazy, eh? A desire that there's this longing for there to be something more, that none of the stuff is quite satisfying. There is this hunger. There is this hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I want to ask you today, do you find yourself longing sometimes? Do you find yourself in your own life saying, surely there's got to be more? Surely this is an it, eh? Do people feel that sometimes? Like, surely we don't go on suffering like this forever. You know, for many people in this room, I had one of those weeks last week where almost every day of the week someone called me up or came to me whose life was in chaos. And after a while, you start to believe that there is no one in the world whose life isn't in chaos, eh? You know? Now, there is goodness out there, but, but the world is such that there are so few shelters that if you put up a shelter, everyone will gather under it at the moment, eh? There are so many people looking for shelter, and there is this longing, and we have that longing. And I find that longing in myself too. There's this interesting billboard around town at the moment um, that um, I think it's from uh, the, the folks that have been gluing themselves to the roads, so the rail network. <laughs> Sorry, restore passenger rail. By the way, um, I'm choosing some climate examples. Um, very, very stoked that this is a church that stands up for climate justice. So, um, just kept it there. But um, there was a, a poster around recently, and it said in the middle of the poster in big letters, it said, No one is coming to save us. Mm. Anyone see that poster around? Yep. And I saw that, and I get what they're getting at. I totally get what they're getting at. They're saying, We can't just keep kicking the can of climate change down the road waiting for someone else to take responsibility. But in my heart, I felt it was deeply prophetic of this AJ. No one is coming to save us. And the hearts, the, the, the hearts cry of this generation, maybe no Messiah is coming. And at the time Jesus spoke and said, blessed are the hungry, this was a similar kind of reality for the people he, were talking, he was talking to. And oppressed people fearing, fearing the end of their existence, racially and ethnically oppressed, politically oppressed, hungry for justice. And they asked the question, is anyone coming to save us? Jesus says to these people, in your hunger, in your longing, in your asking, is there more, you are blessed. It's quite wild, eh? I think that's what God would say to us at the moment, in our hunger, in our longing, there is blessing. But why? And I think there is a fate worse than being hungry. And that is when we become acclimatised to our starvation. Am I making sense there? It's a fate worse than being hungry, where actually we come to think it's really living to feel malnourished. So this is just normal. This is just how life has to be. Um, I don't um, personally, I don't eat a lot because I have bad self-discipline and routines and things. Um, but um, I... Um, I, sometimes dinner will be my first meal of the day. Um, but the way I get there, can anyone guess how I get to dinner without eating? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, like anyone else on this buzz, like, it's, yeah, I just forget to eat. I just, you know, just ride the caffeine dragon all day um, until I get there. Um, and it's, um, you know, yeah, caffeine is an appetite suppressant. Um, and um, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, that's actually not what I'm designed to do. That's not natural. That's not what I should be doing. Um, but I was thinking that it is actually kind of the same in our longing for God to show as well. Many of us have chosen appetite suppressants to deny the hunger we have deep down. Many of us are consuming things other than God to get through the day, to get through our lives without denying that actually this machine is meant to be fueled by the Creator and not by those other things. For some, that appetite suppressant is cynicism. We just, we've been disappointed so many times that we lower our belief in God to be able to do anything. And it gets us through without, feeling, without being hungry, you know? We never have to feel foolish. We never have to go, actually, something hurt me. We just go, no, 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 it's, it's, it's not real. It's not real. I get that. I get that. And I said this a while ago. The question for, um, or the challenge for those who feel cynical or sceptical is not to harden up, but it's to ask what hurt you and to do the grieving you need to do to come through that. So cynicism is an appetite suppressant. For some, it's entertainment and experiences. We're built for wonder. We are built to never have our fill of God unfolding wonder in our lives. Um, We are built to be able to look at the universe and be amazed by who God is. Um, And instead, what we tend to do is fill that wonder hole with travel and sets and TV shows. Which are like so fleeting and momentary, but they become an appetite suppressant, day. How many of you felt lonely or anxious and just binge Netflix for three hours? Mm. Suddenly felt a little bit better. I have. (laughs) And for some, I think another appetite suppressant is control. We try to mould the world into our utopian vision for it. Effectively, we're like, okay, people are hungry, but if I work hard enough, I can make enough bread for me and for everybody else. Messiah complex, eh? Doesn't go anywhere good. So the appetite suppression of cynicism, the appetite suppression of entertainment and experience, the appetite suppression of control, and in all these things, we're numbing ourselves to the reality that there's a deep spiritual longing in us that needs to be fulfilled, eh? That actually we need God to show up. But you know what happens with me um, when I don't eat all day and instead go appetite suppressant mode, drink coffee all day? It's about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm convinced I'm depressed. Because my physiology finally catches up with me. And I'm like, what has happened to me? Why, God, who did this to me? But the reality of actually how I am meant to function catches up with the fact I have not been treating this creation the way it's meant to. And I would argue that in the same way, if we try to suppress our appetite for God with cynicism, experiences, or control, the 3.30 or 4pm of your life is going to come one day. And you're going to have to face the deep hunger for what you are actually longing for. Am I making sense here? One day we will have to look upon the reality that all those things that we thought would satisfy us will not. That this guy who reached 20 years for the house to feel full or feel like he got there, sat in that house and realised he didn't want it. And wondered what those two decades were for. We need to feel the hunger as it is. 
The stories of the scriptures are full of people who felt that hunger and came confessing their need. Nicodemus in John 3, the rich young ruler in Mark 10, the prodigal son in Luke 15. So blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. I think part of what Jesus is speaking to here is that actually hunger is a really good thing. Because it tells us that our souls are alive. It tells us that we're not anaesthetized or insulated from the real need and the real longing that we have. We're not suppressing our appetite, but we're actually facing that desire. You following me here? That hunger is, um, hunger is something that functioning bodies do, right? Hunger is something that healthy humans do. When we cease to hunger, something is out of whack with us. When we cease to sleep, something is out of whack with us. When we are hungry, it's because we actually want to be human. We actually want to be alive. Hunger is good because it tells us our spirit is alive. Because when we are hungry, it's a voice cutting through our cynicism. It's a voice cutting through our experiences. It's a voice cutting through our control. Saying there's something your soul needs that it doesn't have. And it's asking us to reach out. As, um, as a little kid, I, um, I used to love all-you-can-eat restaurants. Does um, anyone relate to this? <laughs> my memory of Pizza Hut, like my defining memory of Pizza Hut, all-you-can-eat, is what vomited white ice cream looks like with people through it. <laughs> that is how I remember pizza I'd been like. Um, and I remember going to Valentine's, eh? And, oh, man. <laughs> Your boy. Um, and, um, man, it was just like, oh, like, yeah, I just remember, like, you come in, and it's just like, man, it's such a good metaphor for capitalism, eh? It's just like a little kid cut loose in a candy store, eh? So it's like everything you're only allowed to have like once a week, you can have all of them at once. So I'm like, fish and chips, and then jelly, and fish and chips, and then ice cream, and then roast, and then fish and chips, and then ice cream again, and then four chocolate eclairs, and you know what? I'm going to take some butter off that butter sculpture just because I can. <laughs> like it is absolutely, um, absolutely unleashed um, in that space. And one of the interesting um, things about hunger... Um, is that the less you eat, the less you need to eat. And the more you eat, the more you hunger. The less you eat, the more you need, the less you want to eat. And the more you eat, the more you hunger. And in terms of kind of earthly food or our earthly hunger, greed's not a good thing. Um, It doesn't lead us anywhere good. It's not good for us. It's not good for the people and the world that we love. But Jesus said this in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Think what Jesus is saying is, unlike everything else in the world, you can be greedy for God. You can be super greedy for God, because you can have helping after helping after helping of jelly God, fish and chip God, roast God, chocolate clear God, butter sculpture God. And like Valentine's, there will still be more God coming out. <laughs> like 
There is no lack, there is no scarcity in God for the hunger that you have. And all of those things in our lives which we consume, which wreak our lives, wreak our friends' lives, and wreak the earth that we live on, all that greed is driven by misplaced hunger. All of that greed is driven by misplaced hunger. And when the one thing, the one person who can come into our lives and meet that hunger comes in, you know what, I actually think at the core of of it all, of, of oil crisis, of climate change, of, um, of housing crisis, all of it is us trying to meet the hunger that we have for God in other places by consuming more than our fair share. But in God, there is always enough. And if we can find our fullness and our satisfaction and our hunger met in Him, then we change. When you feast on him, there is enough for you, and there's always enough for your neighbour too. And the more you eat of this bread, the more you will desire it. And the less of you that you eat, the less of it you will desire. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The good news of Jesus is that the longings within us can be met that actually God can come into our lives in such a way that that longing, that deep hunger, that deep ache, that deep pain can meet moments of hope and fulfilment. And as, as I, I share this, I think, um, I think of something Queen Esther, who I mentioned earlier, um, says this hippie who's just come to Jesus. I said to her the other week, um, I said, we know it's Jesus when it's too good to be true. I think that's a good challenge for us. If it's too good to be true, if you find yourself going, there's no way that can be true, it's probably Jesus. (laughs) But she said, no, it's too good and it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to challenge you today because when you have been longing or aching or hungry for so long, it's hard to trust or to hope again that something could actually happen to meet that aim. It's hard. It's hard. But I want to challenge you today, I want to offer you the good news that if it's too good to be true, it might be Jesus. If there's a part in you that that is going, maybe that ache in me for love and acceptance could actually be met more than it's being met. Maybe that's a place worth leaning into. You know, maybe actually that healing I've been waiting for, it could actually happen. Maybe that's worth leaning into. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Some of you are with me. Some of you are wrestling with yourselves and with me. So the whole reason we are on this season of experiencing God um, is we want to all taste and see that the Lord is good. And the reason you've got these 28 things here laid out in front of you Um, Is there like 28 little hors (laughs) d'oeuvres? And we are hoping that as we taste one of those, our hunger might grow. That as we eat a little, we might want a little more. And the reason we have these furnace rooms happening at the moment is because we want the opportunity for you to come and sit in a space where you experience God near you and maybe believe that there could be more. So what I want to do now before the the crew get up... um, so I can bring this challenge, but I actually, like, I don't know what your hunger or your longing is. I don't know what that thing is in you, but I know God does. Um, and so, 
I reckon let's close our eyes. And I think one of the most powerful confessions we can make is just to say, God, I am hungry. And so I just invite you to say that as you read, say that. Whether you speak it out loud or under your breath, God, I am hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The hungry get fed. Lord, we are hungry. Continuing to have our hands out or whatever seems right to you. Having your hands out can be a good thing because it kind of opens ourselves um, and our bodies. Um, yeah, Jesus, we pray your spirit will come now, particularly to those here um, who um, that thing is, is over their minds and their hearts that no one is coming to save them. Um, Jesus, we pray your spirit would come and break that now. Um, Lord, we pray we are um, dark lies or nihilistic um, um, yeah, lies of the enemy have taken root in people's hearts or their minds, Lord. We pray that you would lift those now in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray your spirit would, yeah, would come now um, into the, the empty stomachs, the spaces where people need to be filled. And I just pray for a tangible sense of you near them now, filling them, um, meeting them in places where they have not been met before ministering to wounds which they didn't believe could be healed. Come, Lord Jesus. And so as we sing together, God, um, God, I pray where we have confessed and opened doors in our hearts to, to express our profound need and our hunger, God, that your spirit would come into those places and you would make your home. Jesus, I pray for more freedom, um, more healing, more truth, more life and joy in the people of this community and our wider renewed communities.